Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Award. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. I feel like so many podcasters have like these sound engineering teams. That's and, true. Specialists. Or, or like they have some sort of knowledge about how to do this stuff in general. I went and got my master's in sound. Yeah. And yes. like, I didn't like, even do sound no. with my theater degree. Like I never even went in the sound booth when I had yeah. classes. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we're working from nothing here, folks. Right. Pretty much. We're just figuring it out as we go. And that's at the very, very beginning. And that's okay. Yeah. We're learning new skills <laughs> and everything else. So we will see what happens. We got this. Yeah. And things will happen one way or the other. Yeah. So we'll figure things out eventually. I mean, (laughs) like if the sound quality is absolute garbage on this one, Hey, you know what? Trial and error, man. Hey, yeah. Better next time. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. Uh, There's one, one way to do it. We'll figure it out. I know it's our first time recording remotely. So, I mean, there's that. Yeah, there's that. Um, yeah, and because you handle the sound, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just holding my microphone because I don't have anywhere else to put it. So, <laughs> okay, anyways, we have more exciting things to talk about, such as the April 2020 General Conference. Yeah, which Woo-hoo. was literally yesterday. Well, literally yesterday. as we're recording it, literally well, yesterday. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Within the last, oh, I don't know if it, Okay, a little over 24 hours. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a a lot of fun stuff. Um, President Nelson definitely assured us that it was going to be memorable and unforgettable. Mm -hmm. And I think it was. I I tried not to go in with too many expectations. Yeah, I didn't go in with too many expectations. I didn't have a lot of serious questions this time around, just Mm -hmm. because I don't even know what questions I want to be working on with my life just yet. Yeah. Um, But I had heard, like, plenty of the really amusing rumors of, you know, it's the second coming. Like, (laughs) the time has come. (laughs) I know. Um, What else? People thought uh, women might get the priesthood. They, uh, yeah, people... (laughs) What were some of the other rumors I heard? Um, those are those those are the main two I was hearing about. I mean, I'm severely huh. disappointed that Jesus himself didn't show up in the middle of conference. That would have been really great. Like every time they mention him, I'm like, is he here? Is he here? Well, I was expecting it. I fully went into this conference, like, <laughs> and I told Brooke, my roommate, I was like, Brooke, Sunday, he's gonna show up in the solemn assembly. Just be ready. He's gonna be the opening speaker. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen. And she yeah. would just laugh at me the entire oh. time. And I'm like, no, but really, Jesus is going to come in. President Nelson's going to be the conductor this time. And he'll be like, hey, so our first speaker is Jesus Christ. Hey. Like, I was mm-hmm. fully ready for that. And when it didn't happen, I was right. very disappointed. <laughs> I, I was a little taken aback when he never showed up. Um but, you know, I think the Holy Spirit with it was with us the whole time. So yeah. I guess that'll count for now. I mean. Maybe next year. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> when the Shanghai Temple is. Hey. Dead. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Anyways. 
The new format for conference with no people in the conference center. Did you like it more or less? Did you notice a difference? What did you notice about it? I I definitely noticed it, especially as President Nelson started to speak. And he said, like, he introduced it with a little joke, of course, and yeah. no one laughed. And it broke my heart. Yeah. It Three. just looked like the light had, like, drained out of his eyes in that just moment. Just a little bit. Yeah, I like, felt so bad. It made it made me want to laugh like ten times harder than the joke was worth yeah. just to support him. Except I knew he wouldn't hear me. Yeah. Um. But I hope in his heart that he he could spiritually so. hear our laughter. Yeah. 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 I'll. Yeah. Um. Okay. But back to that. So I don't actually know which room they were in. Were they in that church room, like um, across the temple, uh, across from whatever space we call it? So I actually, you know where? I found some weird like post that was a whole bunch of pictures from conference this oh, year. Oh yeah. And they said that it was the auditorium inside the church office building. So okay. It was not in the tabernacle, nor was it in the conference center. It was Interesting. In the church office building. Mm-hmm. Which again, like it could just be facebook fodder like it might not be real at all Mm -hmm. but that's what i'm gonna go with because nothing else really makes sense to me at this point right i I couldn't get over the tree stumps as decoration yeah i was really confused at one point i thought they were vegetables that they just (laughs) kind of propped up i was really confused but they kept they move it before i had a chance to like go up to the screen and be like what is this (laughs) Um, <laughs> so I don't know what happened there, but I did learn. Um, I know there's been a lot of memes going around like, oh, this is what happens when the priesthood are in charge of decorations. Yeah, um, <laughs> very funny. But I did learn that the service, uh, the service missionaries are in charge of putting those together. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So I, I'm guessing then that they were working with what they could get as well as they had a different vibe that they were going for, maybe like a toned down, like more muted version. So I'm not really sure what plants they were using, but they were somewhat colorful. Okay. Um, so they were doing what they can. I respect that. Personally, I would just do without the flowers. Mm-hmm. But that's just me, so. Yeah, know. but then it really looked like a priesthood meeting. <laughs> like all those quorum. And then, I mean, it was already uncomfortable enough as it was, I think, like with that setup. And then, you know, being, it's like also a sobering moment where it's like all the, the couple of men that you see up front, like the, the first presidency, like sitting so far away from one another. Yeah. It's, it's so sad. Like you can't see them like lean over and nudge each other or whisper oh. or anything. They don't get to have any like little secrets during the conference like they used to. Yeah, they all looked a little sad to be like. So mm-hmm. far away from one another. Right. Yeah. So that was very not the most cheerful uh, beginning to conference that I am used to. No. Um, so it was. It was. I don't want to say it was disappointing, but I I would keep to that it was like sober and more. It made the occasion a lot more solemn, mm-hmm. more than I usually get the vibe. But I mean, regarding the situation that we're in with the global pandemic. I get it. Yeah. And I accept that. Yeah. We'll get over it eventually. (laughs) Honestly, like the entire conference, all I could think was, I feel like it was a huge missed opportunity Uh to not go back through archives of the tabernacle 
tabernacle choir mm. because like okay so music in the spoken word has been going for 90 years 90 holy cow 90. so that what? means there's 90 years worth of footage out there somewhere whether That's it's crazy. on like VHS or whether they finally like <laughs> uploaded oh it to like the internet or something. Oh There's like gosh. they could have pulled so something from like a conference back in like the 1950s or like mm-hmm. like some earlier time. So like everyone today would not have recognized it immediately and they mm-hmm. could really like hone in on that time of the choir. I don't know. I just feel yeah. like it was a huge missed opportunity. The music was still great. I'm not bashing it. it but I feel like they could have used so much more from Tabernacle Choir history. So, yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, at first I thought it was the most recent choir doing number doing the numbers that they had planned to do for this conference, but recorded right beforehand, uh, yeah. before the orders started going out to not gathering crowds. Until I realized halfway through, I think it was saturday evening or sunday morning where i was like wait why is this from 2017 yeah <laughs> and i realized that there are a few later versions so they were describing them from like the last 10 years yeah um but yeah i would definitely agree with that because i think there's a lot of uh there's a lot of church related hymns and songs that we could be getting a little bit more creative with not in like sense of um tone or anything but yeah, like you said, bring in some more musical numbers that we haven't listened to in a while. And um, sometimes getting us out of a typical routine of what we expect to hear helps us to uh, see the same thing in a different way. Yeah. Anyway, so that was just my little two cents on the music. I mean, I have another opinion, but we'll talk about that one later. So <laughs> All right. Sounds a little bit good. later. <laughs> sounds good. Well, right. and then, um, what I also enjoyed, though, was how when President Nelson was getting everything started was how he pointed out when I told everyone that this is going to be a very unique and special general conference. I did not expect this to be the situation that we would be in yeah. in regards to all the social distancing regarding the pandemic. Yeah. And I was very curious on how that was going to get addressed in any manner in that regard. So I'm like really glad he mentioned that and that he phrased it like that. I thought that was just super cute. There was a lot that we got to check out and learn about in the Star Conference. I think there was a lot of new moments that came for us from using a different building to not having um, an audience to using recorded musical numbers from the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really, I don't know, this general conference was really different in a lot of ways that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, like what, Kaylee? Share some well, <laughs> some specifics for us. <laughs> I know we're going to talk about a lot of them, but I did want to make sure that we did get them covered a little bit. So, and these are not in any order, I think. Um, but so they had youth speakers again, which oh has gosh. not happened, and I believe since 1997. That's what my roommate told oh, me. I did so, not know that. Yeah, it's been a super long time. I thought this was like the first time that they have ever done youth speakers. Mm-hmm. And right. I thought they killed it. Oh my gosh, they totally did. They were wonderful. Um, actually, what my uh, my roommate Nicole told me was that one of the men who just got called into the general authorities, he was one of the former youth speakers. Get out. Yeah, but like, if that's true, that is the coolest thing. All right, well, little baby Enzo and I know. little baby girl Lottie, hey. you better get ready because y'all about to be get general ready. authorities like 40 oh. years in the future. Just be yes. ready. 
<laughs> hey, we've already spoken at conference. They know exactly what to do now. They know what to expect. It'll be fine. They're going to do great. They were so good. <laughs> they were wonderful. They were so good. Like, I honestly, like, if nothing else was revealed or happened that was huge during conference, I would have uh-huh. been totally fine with just having those two kids speaking. Yeah. Like, they Aww. were so good. And they... You could tell that, okay, the poor guy was, like, sweating profusely and stressful. <laughs> Honestly, I would be there in that same position like right. him. But, like, Agreed. they, you can tell that they both, like, practiced and they put mm-hmm. so much effort into these talks. And yes. they were so good. Like, they were so composed. They were so strong. Mm-hmm. They were so fervent. It was just, it was mm-hmm. so good. They were so dedicated to saying what they said. They did. They did such a wonderful job. And I really liked how they didn't do the one thing that most youth speakers do, which is they did not start off by saying the phone rang, the, my <laughs> leader or the prophet was calling me and I almost didn't pick up, yeah. but I did. And I'm glad that I did yeah. kind of like scenario that we all love to use as kids. Well, though, can you imagine getting that call? No. Like being because <laughs> you know it had to be like your bishop or like your stake president is calling you and telling yes. you this and being like, Hey, so we would love for you to speak at conference. And they were like, Oh, like state conference or right? like conference? They were like, Yeah. Uh, no. Actually, uh, <laughs> general conference. Like I would die at 17. Are you kidding? I would oh I was a mess at 17 or 16. Like Yeah. I would not have been able to function. Clearly these no. youth are significantly better than either of us were, but I would have mm-hmm. died. And so are my gosh. Yeah. I couldn't even do that now. I mean like, yeah, like I just nope, I'm going to be sick that day. I'm I'm really sorry. I mean like I've spoken twice at state conference. Oh, that's true. And even that was when I was an adult, like yeah. <laughs> as a return oh. missionary, uh-huh. like, and I was freaked out, but oh I, I just can't imagine doing that for general conference at 17. It I is crazy. Die. Yeah, they did so wonderful, though. That was one of the things I really loved. And it was very new. And I thought it was very refreshing as well. Because I know sometimes it's, it's hard for the younger uh, people to feel connected to general conference, especially when it's people in their like 80s and 90s who are talking for the majority of the time. Exactly. So to see someone near their own age to get up and speak is so powerful. Yeah. So yeah, I really love that. And then a few other new things that came out was we do have a new icon or logo. I'm not sure what the proper term for that is right now, but the one with the, I'm going to say it wrong, the Christus. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, with our church's name, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints written right below it as a foundation stone yeah. work thing. None yeah. of my words are right, but y'all know what I'm saying. If you Honestly, <laughs> <there>. <laughs> honestly, when they, as they were introducing it, all I saw was the name of the church in the box. And I was like, that's uh-huh. not new. And I know then, a church I'm a part of. I signed added, up for this. And then they added more. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm just mm-hmm. an idiot. Gotcha. That's hilarious. Well, then it, it, what you just said is also an excellent reminder that it's nothing really new. Like, yeah. it's something that we, like, we all know about that statue. We all know what it's supposed to mean about the, it's the living Christ. That's what it is. And we know the name of our church and what we should be calling it. So I love how they've just kind of added it as a more frequent reminder. 
And I think I think Nicole's app has already updated to show that logo, whereas mine has not. Mine has. Oh, what yeah. is wrong with mine? I'm so disappointed. It's because you're not an Apple user. I'm oh, sorry. That's true. Oh, my, oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> <Get over. laughs> that's uh, probably true. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So, yeah, we've got the new icon, which is awesome. And we can use it for all sorts of things now. And I'm excited to see exactly what they'll be using it on. Um, when it was announced, they talked that it'd be getting applied to a lot more um, things such as being like being used as our logos. So it'll be exciting to see just where it ends up getting put everywhere. Awesome. Um, a whole bunch of new temples. Yeah, I was actually really surprised by this because just because of all the pandemic issues that are going on and a lot of things are closing down, possibly permanently, I didn't really think that they would go ahead with just announcing them. I figured that even if they wanted to, they might just wait and see how things are going. But no, of course, the church knows what it's doing. Our church leaders get it. And they still went on and announced eight new temples, I think. Eight, yes. Yes, I have yeah. the list if you yeah. would like the list. Okay, I would love it because personally, I made the mistake of curling up on the couch with my luxury blanket during <laughs> the last four talks yesterday. Okay. But, Please yes. note that I do not have the city names <sighs> for two of the locations only because I was writing as fast as humanly possible. That's fair. So please just forgive me for that one. That is only acceptable. People. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so one is in Argentina. It's in Bahia Blanca, I think. Okay. Argentina. Mm-hmm. I don't awesome. know anything about Argentina. that. Um, the Democratic Republic of Congo is getting a temple. That's right, uh, Lubumbashi. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Nigeria is getting a temple. Benin City. Thank you for having the city names. Okay. Hey, the church um, website is a great place to look for things <laughs> in case no one knew about that. I just learned there's, there's, they've got a newsroom and everything. Yeah, they so, do. Yeah. All, All right. right. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> um, so we've got Tallahassee, Florida. Hey. Um, that's nowhere near us. It's way in no, the No, not at all. We have one that's a lot closer, but good our- for those people. <laughs> good for them. So. Um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Syracuse, Utah, and then the two big ones. Of yes, so Dubai. excited for these. Yes, so exciting. And yes. Shanghai, China. Yes, I am. That one is just so freaking exciting. Like that's wild. It 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 is like, I mean, it's even more wild. I think than the uh, the Saint Petersburg one in Russia that was announced. I think just last year. Yeah. Like the fact that we've just gotten into those two countries is huge yeah. and i know that president nelson likes to remind us that it's about make that we need to be more peaceful and less thrilled about just getting them and more focused on getting work done there but this really means something yeah you know like i mean okay personally i'm i'm just such a fan because like shanghai the the bunt um it's it's uh the shanghai skyline spot very touristy but it's literally my favorite place in the entire world <laughs> And the fact that they're going to have one there is so exciting. Yeah. And it's going to mean a lot to the members in China. Now, I know it's going to be a little bit more complicated, though. Um, Do you know more of the details about that that you can share? 
Um, all I know is that it's going to be strictly for residents of China and not for tourists. I'm assuming that it will be open to people that are living there on like extended visas as well, or like short term or temporary assignments from jobs. So like if you're from another country and you are living in Shanghai for an extended period of time, like more than probably a month, I would assume that you are probably going to be permitted to go to the temple. But again, it is meant specifically for the members in China. And it's um, by like appointment only or something like that. That's right. Yeah. It'll only be a by appointment. Um, I mean, I know Shanghai is like a crazy crowded place. It is a bit touristy, especially since Disneyland. Disney has a park there now. Yeah. Um, I also know that, that it's also going to help the people of Hong mm-hmm. Kong um, because I know that temple is closing down for refurbishment. Yeah. Um, so that'll be another option. Even though I know the lands are still completely separated as much as the Chinese government is struggling to uh, unify them. But yeah, it's it's a very exciting process. And yeah, I'm really thrilled. Like having church in China is hard enough uh, from my limited experience there. But the opportunity to then for them to have a temple there is going to be so exciting. I know a lot of people who, I mean, we know that there's a lot of tourists that come from Asia, but I also know that there's a lot of people who don't have the opportunity to travel out of China. And so having a temple there that is accessible to them is going to mean so much. That's amazing. So it and is. I think what's even cooler is they said, he said that it is a meeting house that is going to be converted into a temple. Oh, well, I didn't I, know that. Okay. Yeah. Like that's interesting. So I've always heard, like, you know, Mormon rumors that, like, there are certain buildings in the world that have been, like, meeting houses and other, like, church facilities that have been built in a manner that they could be easily converted into a temple should the time or need ever be made. So, like, one example of that is the BYU Jerusalem Center. Oh, yeah. Again, this is all like strictly rumor. I don't know if it's factual or not. I have never been there, but I have had people in my life that have studied there and have said that like, that's one of the things they were told while they were there. So that's cool. So who knows? So if this building is one of those that can be easily converted, that's really cool to think that it's finally happening that a temple is being made out of something that was already existing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. That is super cool. And it's definitely a really good way to recycle. So. Yeah. Honestly, I'm really excited about the Dubai temple. Mostly yes. Because I know like how thrilling it was for them to get a stake center in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And they got their stake center like a few years ago. And then, now hearing that they've grown so much there that they're going to be getting a temple and that it was at the request of either the country itself or the members in the country for a temple mm-hmm. is like another huge thing. It so. is huge. It is just so exciting. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just love it. <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited for everyone getting temples. Yeah. They're so exciting. It's so cool. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so last thing that I want to mention of a new thing that came out, um, just particularly new, was we've got a new proclamation. Huh. So that is pretty awesome. I really like it. I wasn't expecting it, 
Yeah, it's a bicentennial proclamation to the world, the restoration of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was more than glad to receive it. It was like a blessing that I didn't know that I needed. Mm -hmm. And I was just, and I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. I really love it. And then I was thinking about uh, some of the numbers about it, because this is, I think, the sixth proclamation that we've had in in the 200 years since the restoration of the church. And the last one was the proclamation to the family of the family. 1995. Yeah. 1995. Yeah. So that was 15 years ago. No, it was more that. than 15 years ago. Oh, my God. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's 25. 25. <laughs> it's 25 years ago. My goodness. <laughs> oh, I was, just, I was just reading through my notes and it was checking, rechecking my math. And I'm like, I'm sure it was 15. Nope. No, it was over 20. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. It's Anyways. fine. And I thought it was just very interesting that this is the proclamation that they chose. Yeah. But as I thought more about it and as uh, President Nelson read it off in the Sacred Grove, which I thought was a beautiful gesture. Yeah. Um, it made so much sense. Like, just as he started reading it, my heart was so full and I, like, I could feel the Holy Spirit. I'm like, this is true. This this is what we needed. I didn't know we needed it, but this is a blessing. And now we've got it. And this can this can change a lot if we yeah. let it. Yeah. I kind of was listening in and out during the proclamation because like, yeah. not like because I was bored, but because <laughs> no, because while he was talking, I was thinking back to my priest in Laurel trip from my stake in New Hampshire to Palmyra. Yeah. And when we went to, we actually did a trip to the sacred grove and like went on the tour and did everything and like, yeah. Oh wow. All of that stuff. And I was thinking back to then and how that was like the first time that I really had that impression that like, or that answer, I should say, that, like, the Book of Mormon is true and, like, the whole church is true. Yeah. So, like, I was really thinking back to, like, that time, and I was kind of getting caught up in thinking about the thoughts Mm -hmm. and feelings that I had while I was in the Sacred Grove. So I didn't really hear the whole proclamation, but I feel like that was probably what the Lord wanted me to remember more Mm -hmm. than hearing the proclamation. It sounds like you're being reminded of, like, one of the foundation blocks of your testimony. I think that's amazing and i mean i haven't been to the sacred grove before so i can only imagine how powerful and amazing that would have been it's cool so that is awesome um and then yeah so those are i thought the very noteworthy things that i thought that happened that we needed to make sure that we mentioned um and in case anyone else did fall asleep um or get carried away with the spirit um in any way <laughs> that we made sure we mentioned perfect um, talked about in a little bit of detail awesome All right, so we already kind of touched on what made this conference different than other conferences. So let's move into, I mean, my favorite topic is talking about musical numbers. Oh, yeah? Why? I feel like the spirit communicates things to me more through music than it does through just someone talking to me. So I tend to get more inspiration when I'm listening to the musical numbers during conference. Okay. Not like necessarily just my answers, but I definitely get more, I don't know, it like pulls me in more so I can like refocus if I'm getting distracted at all during the session. Right. That makes sense. So 
what musical numbers were important to you during conference, Kaylee? Oh, I don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a bad way. I thought they were all lovely, but unfortunately... I struggle with traditional hymns sometimes <laughs> and I get so focused on the outfits that the tabernacle chooses every time Terrible. that musical numbers, unless they really stand out, I do have, I do not try hard enough. Let me put it that way to pay attention to them. <laughs> I like Nick, my roommate, Nicole was telling me how awesome, like, I think she mentioned how awesome the final closing one was. Yeah. And I was like, that's right when I woke up. So, uh. So, the closing hymn for the Sunday afternoon session, it was the Tabernacle Choir combined with six other choirs from around the world. Oh, wow. So, there was a choir in Korea, there was one in Mexico City, one from New Zealand, one from Brazil, one in Germany, and there was one more, and I feel so bad for forgetting it. Uh, I don't remember, but the idea is very cool, though. Yeah, yeah I should have been awake for that one. And they were all singing, "We thank Theo God for a prophet" in their native language. Oh, that is so cool. So honestly, like that was one of the big musical numbers that like touched me, because like honestly, if you ever want to make me cry, record people singing hymns in their native languages. Like I, yeah, legit will lose it every time. Uh, um, but it was like, really powerful for me to kind of see that at the end of after hearing the announcements for so many temples oh the other one was in Africa somewhere Ah. they're in Ghana okay I remember Um, (laughs) gosh um but after hearing all of the choirs singing directly after those temple announcements just kind of made it even that much more impactful that like these Mm -hmm. people around the world are all finally getting the blessings that like we have been so privileged to have for years and years and years in the United States. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that we've had it kind of easy, but like we kind of have because a little bit. Yeah. When we can drive 30 minutes to the temple and yeah. And like temples Mm -hmm. are constantly being announced in our country, like all the time. And -hmm. just to think that like there are some countries in the world that, don't have temples or like finally getting a temple and they can finally celebrate this thing is so powerful. And so that hymn at the end of the Sunday session, Sunday afternoon session was just that much more powerful for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds like it was amazing. I, I I know I've been meaning to like all day to go back and rewatch the last part of Sunday afternoon conference so that I can catch up with what I missed. (laughs) I heard it was amazing, and I think that's such a beautiful, it's a beautiful concept to bring and to yeah remind everyone that that we're children of God from all around the world, and that culture in itself is also important, and it's something that we need to remind ourselves and and be reminded of how fortunate we are, yeah. um, no matter how close our our temples are, but that I mean that we have the that we have the gospel and that we can all connect during general conference. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I loved it. And the other musical number that was really important to me was yeah. at the was the closing hymn for the Sunday morning session, which we know that the Sunday morning session concluded with the um, Hosanna shout and the singing of the Spirit of God. Yes, uh, that was good. So 
that musical number was more important for me because it was from the dedication of the conference center in October of 2000. No kidding. And I remembered this because my sister texted me and she was like, oh my gosh, I think this is from the Boston temple dedication. And I was like, no, but like they didn't broadcast that from the conference center. But then I was like, oh my gosh, the Boston temple dedication was literally like a few days before general conference that year. Yeah. The temple dedication was October 1st, 2000. And then conference was a few days later. And so I started thinking about watching the Boston temple dedication and like, just like how excited we were to finally mm-hmm. have a temple close to us because the closest one to us before then was Washington, D.C. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And every stake in the temple district was participating with helping to prepare the temple for the open house. I was like 10 when this happened. I was about to oh, be yeah. 11. Oh. But my mom was involved in Stake Young Women's at that point. So I got to go with her on this like youth conference um, uh-huh. where our stake and like a bunch of other stakes combined in Massachusetts, like really close to the temple site. So we got to see the temple like being finished up from the exterior and oh. we were, our service project for the week was painting the guideposts that were oh, going to yeah. be inside the temple for the open house. No kidding. And we all had said like, this is something so small, like nobody's going to care if we <laughs> painted guideposts for the uh-huh. temple, like no one's going to even notice. But at the temple dedication in that very first session, we got to go to that session in the stake center down the street from the temple. Mm-hmm. President Hinckley was like, I've noticed every bit of work that everyone has put into the temple, even oh. down to the posts that were painted. <gasps> oh my gosh. In the house. And so like, I just started thinking about, all of that and just mm-hmm. uh, I mean obviously right now I'm crying and I'm in emotional mess but like it was even more so touching for me to see that same musical number done a mm. few days later in general conference and I was yeah. only 11 and oh. like now to see it at like 30 yeah. <laughs> in, <laughs> in this general conference I was like oh my gosh this is so huge like mm-hmm. I never thought that I would see that footage again. I don't think I ever thought to look back at it, but like Mm -hmm. it was just so huge and powerful for me to see that and to have that witness again. Oh, that's amazing. Musical numbers always get to me. So, I mean, at least it shows that there is thought and feeling and the spirit within each musical number. And I do believe that each musical number really does mean a lot to a lot of people in its own way. Let's talk about which talks really touched you and why they did. All the talks. They were awesome. Um, I So my favorite ones overall were uh, the morning session on Saturday and then Holland's talk, which I think was Sunday morning. Sunday morning, yep. Yeah, so those were the best, but we can go into more detail. (laughs) So... As you can see from my notes. Uh-huh. <laughs> well put together. Our, Thank you for that. Document. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I kind of went by session. Mm-hmm. And I tried to pull like one from each session because I definitely feel like 
certain sessions are really hard for me to focus on. And it's usually the afternoon session on either day. Okay. I really struggle in the afternoon. I don't know why. Um, It's okay. Those are the points where I fell asleep. So I feel (laughs) that. (laughs) But I try to focus like really hard. So before I listen to conference or before I watch conference, I try to pray and say like, Heavenly Father, please help me to get like the one message mm-hmm. that you need me to get out of this session. And that's usually yeah. what ends up being like my favorite talk of the session. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, nice. So I guess something's working. So Saturday morning, the talk that I loved the most was Joy D. Jones's talk. I believe nice. she's in the primary presidency. Maybe. I don't know. know. She's one of the women general authorities, and I feel well, like I'm betraying. I feel like well, I'm betraying our gender by not knowing which <laughs> group know. she's in. But she was great. So her talk was about women in the gospel, cool. and how she was basically talking about like, yes, like men in the restoration have done like great things, but like sisters, it's our turn now. Like it's mm-hmm. our time to rise up. Um, one thing she said was your unique contributions as sisters in the church are vital. Um, she also said a righteous woman's influence in this time can be 10 times more powerful than in peaceful times. A lot of the things that she was saying was like really kind of like, um, like Bonnie Oscarson from a few years ago of, her talk was Rise Up, O Women of God. Yes. Oh, so I remember very, that. Was it was very similar to, like, that sort of tone. And it was, like, you need to step up to the plate because it's not just going to be on the priesthood holders. Like, you need to do stuff. And right. This show, is our time. Do something. Yeah. And show the Lord that, like, you're capable and you can do the things that he's asking you to do. And you mm-hmm. can do them just as powerfully, if not more powerfully than the priesthood holders. Mm-hmm. I really like that. And I, I love how there's there was a lot of emphasis overall at, regarding women and the priesthood during Saturday. And I, I just really appreciate that because I think it's very important that we are reminded of that as well as the way Sister Jones put it was, yeah, we've talked about it. Now we need to be doing it. Like we know how powerful we are. We've been talking about this for a long time and the Lord is going to help us, but it's now time for us to be doing something yep um so i really liked how she kind of like tore that apart like she she pieced it together for us in a sense that made it more easier for us to understand because not only was it powerful but it is also supportive um in a very positive manner that i was really impressed with and i believe she's the speaker who's who made mention that um there is a lot that we can do and that we should be doing because we do have a lot of different roles in our life, especially since there's a lot more opportunities that are afforded to women um, in the workplace and around the world um, in general today. And she said that you're not supposed to wear all your hats at once. Yes. And that stood out to me because I thought that was very helpful. And especially as someone who constantly struggles with anxiety, it's like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing everything all the time. And no, that's not the case. Like, yes, we do need to stand up and do um, do more to a certain level of supporting the Lord and our beliefs, but we don't need to do every single thing at every single moment kind of thing. Yeah. And I um, think going on top of that comment, she said, uh-huh. um, the spirit will help us determine what we need to do today to be better. And yes. specifically said, 
I don't know if this is a direct quote or if it was just like my interpretation of it, but she <laughs> okay. said like, don't expect a list of things to do all at once. Like the spirit will give you the inspiration to know which hat to specifically wear each yes. day. So mm-hmm. that was really cool. I think that was at least very closely paraphrased because I remember something. <laughs> very about that, <laughs> okay. <laughs> But, but yeah, and I really love that. Like the Lord is going to help us with every little step, like, but we, we can't expect him um, to show the entirety of the straight and narrow path. We know the basics. We know the basics of what we're supposed to do. And as long as we're willing to take one step forward at a time, if we put on the right hat that the Lord has told us to put on, then we can figure it out as we go. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to be alone. Like when we take action, he's going to be with us, but we do need to do something. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that one. So Saturday afternoon, and this might be my favorite talk of conference, like entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Gary E. Stevenson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, his talk on your spiritual foundation. Yeah. Um, when he compared our foundation to like the temple, the Salt Lake Temple's foundation and how currently they are going to be shut down for four years to get the seismic protection renovation that they desperately need. And so just thinking about that, when he was talking about like Brigham Young said that he wants this temple to be built to last through the millennium. Mm-hmm. And I mean, technically it has been, yes. <laughs> it's been one millennium, <laughs> um, but like, uh-huh. I just wrote down a bunch of questions that like I started thinking about as he was talking, like, Oh yeah. How can we be blessed by doing spiritual renewals of our foundation? What does your foundation look like currently? What are your cornerstones? What would protect you from seismic damage? Um, Are they the simple, plain, precious principles of the gospel or Mm -hmm. are they deeper? Are they the temple recommend questions? Like, Mm -hmm. Do you have faith to continue on even through all the darkness that surrounds you? Like just, it brought so many questions to mind and it kind of made me think about doing like a spiritual inventory on myself. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. That that like, I really think that like I need to, that is something that I desperately need to work on is my foundation because I've been focusing so much on other people Mm -hmm. over the last, like I would say even the last year but especially mm-hmm. like yeah. being the Relief Society president, I've been focused on everybody else and I haven't been thinking about my own foundation. So mm-hmm. I have definitely let some cracks come in and been slipping. And uh-huh. I know that if there's an earthquake that comes into my <laughs> life, it might take me out. So mm-hmm. I, I really think that that talk was so powerful and it really targeted onto something that I definitely need to focus on in my life. Agreed. That one, yeah, I had exactly the same scenario happen where I started thinking a lot more, questioning myself about my cornerstones and what my groundwork really includes. Um, He did ask us, like, is it those same questions that you get asked for your temple recommend? And I was like, okay, like, well, of course, like, that's what I get asked. So, of course, that should be my foundation, like, whatever. But then I was like, I'm sorry. No, do not take any of this for granted, Kaylee. Like, don't be ridiculous and take this questions seriously start thinking because I just kind of been raised with like the yes ma'am no ma'am of course this is my belief of course I believe that yeah I'll accept that too 
I grew up just with this naivety that like, okay, of course I believe this. It makes sense. Like that's what everyone else believes. And so in the past like five, 10 years, I've had to start really reworking that. And this is another reminder that I've been working definitely on some aspects of my testimony and my beliefs, but what, what is my foundation really? Like, is it those pieces that he discussed or is it something else? I mean, I feel like I've got like a really good, like, sandbox filled like there, there's a lot of pieces <laughs> yeah. you know but they're still pretty small they're like tiny they're okay no they're like legos yeah but they're kind of small legos and legos can be strong if built together properly but i think i just have a, a good amount of them i do believe that i have a good amount of them but I don't know if they're stacked on top of each other properly or if they're on a steady foundation or if, you know, they're in a sandbox or something. This definitely gave me a pause to make me want to reconsider where I stand um, and to work on my relationship with the Lord to figure out where exactly my beliefs are and how to strengthen them. I agree. And I mean, I definitely like I know my foundation is there. This weekend, I really was thinking about my mission a lot. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I know the foundation stones are there. And I know mm-hmm. that they're built on, like, the core principles of the gospel. Okay. But over the last, I would say the last, like, four years specifically, there uh-huh. has been so much upheaval in my life, as well as, like, I've had so many friends who served in my mission with me or like were really close with me at college and I went to an LDS college like they've mm-hmm. all left okay mm-hmm. and so thinking like everybody has left and like I am one of the few people still here yeah why is it or how is it that they've all managed to leave and not even think twice about it like and they were with me in the Philippines, like, or they were in another mission in the Philippines, and they experienced similar things to me, like, how can they experience those things and just leave and not even think twice about it? And, like, all of these thoughts have been going through my head for the last, like, four years. And I'm like, I can't believe it that, like, these people saw everything that I saw, and they're still willing to just give up. Mm -hmm. And, especially during this weekend, I was like, what is keeping me? Like, Mm -hmm. what is it that is keeping me here? And why is it that I continue to go forward and live and honor my covenants? Whereas these people that I'm still very, very close with have decided not to. Mm -hmm. So this talk definitely put some things into perspective Mm -hmm. and made me think about like, these are kind of the reasons why I'm still here, but also that I need to strengthen those reasons and testimonies of those things. Agreed. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, I haven't had that many struggles with that, but I've had my own and I think we all have an, in our own way, big or small, but on that is, yeah, even when we know that we are strong in the gospel and we know that we have a testimony and we know we do have corner blocks, it's still important that we do take a look back and to understand that even better. Yeah. So it just got me thinking because I do feel like I am pretty strong in the gospel. Like I have stayed and like, I, I do care passionately about the gospel and I know that it is true. Yeah. But then at the same time, how do I know that? How am I able to explain that to others? I, I need to understand those cornerstones for myself. I feel that I, at least personally, I feel that I need to be able to put that into words 
I think it's important that we then do understand, like you said, what is keeping us yeah. in the gospel. And even though we can be like, yeah, like I know the church is true. Yeah, whatever. We, we need to understand why. And I think that's going to become even more important for every church member to yeah. believe as time goes on, because we are going to continue to get attacked by the world, by Satan. And yeah, if we, without a clear understanding, then we're not going to know how to how to fight or protect ourselves down the line. Yeah. We need to make sure that the gaps are filled. Yeah. And I feel like, like as conference rolled on and like, as more announcements came and like more things were said, Uh I kind of noticed that theme of like building and strengthening your foundation kind of lingering. Definitely. And it just kind of made me think that like, if they're asking us repeatedly to work on our foundations that means, at least to me, that there is something coming down the road that's really going to shake members of the church to their core. It may be the cause of people to, like, choose to leave entirely. And so I think that them saying you need to kind of, like, build up your spiritual foundation is their way of saying, like, shit's going to get real pretty soon. <laughs> yes. There's I no will. other way for me to put it. But, like, yeah. <laughs> it's going to get real and you need to be ready. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, that's definitely, um, I mean, I'll share my main takeaways later, but that is definitely one of them. Like, we need to be working on ourselves right now, and we need to understand the gospel more than we already do. Yeah, yeah so Elder Stevenson's talk was amazing. It was huge. And I wrote down at the end of that session, too, like, a reminder for myself to uh-huh. besides go back and listen to his talk again and read it again to reread and study Alma chapter five. That's the big spiritual inventory chapter of the Book of Mormon. Okay. Where Alma basically says, verse 26, I think, when he's saying like, if you have felt to sing the song of redeeming love, I say, can you feel so now? And he asks like so many probing questions about like your testimony and your foundation and all these other things that like, I do like to look back on those every now and then and just remind myself and ask myself those questions. And then if I say no at any of those questions to like, all right, that's where I need to start. So that was kind of my little reminder for myself to go back and read that chapter. Oh, that is so cool. Should we move on to the Sun or Saturday evening session? Yes. Yes. For both men and women, not just one or the other this time. Listen, even though I know it was for both men and women, it kind of yeah. had the vibes of a priesthood meeting. It kind of did. Like yes. the way that they were going in on the guy <laughs> <laughs> made me feel like I was listening to the priesthood session a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, I was like, I'll always listen to you chastise mm-hmm. the men of the church. I'm here for <laughs> it. So obviously we already talked about the youth speakers. Those were two wonderful, wonderful talks. Yes. Both of them were so great. The girls reminder to not hesitate to ask for priesthood blessings and to study your patriarchal blessing was like yes. an obvious reminder, but like it was something that I definitely needed to hear. The guys talk when he was talking about his younger sister waiting to get baptized oh until he got priesthood. That's the cutest thing until I've he ever became heard. a priest. And then his sister oh his God. other two sisters got to be witnesses. Yeah. That story, I was like, you can just tell that, like, he is the priesthood holder in their house. 
Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh. just from that story alone, I was like, so he is the priesthood holder in the house, <laughs> and he is really trying his hardest to honor that priesthood. And he's like a baby. He's only like 16 <laughs> or 17. And I'm like, oh, so precious. little sweet baby angel. I love both of them. Well, but. And then, okay, also on that, though, like he was saying how he's going to the temple was is every day or every week getting yeah. ready to baptize his sister. It was with his like, grandma so, and his mother. Yes. Yeah, they were so dedicated. And <sighs> they were just, I feel like they were really, they were really trying. Like there's trying, but then there's really trying. Yeah. And he just had such a powerful testimony. It was amazing. That was, even though, like, <laughs> we all have our <laughs> stigmas about Gen Z right now. Really? And, like, we're all concerned about leaving Gen Z in charge in the future. Like, those two talking made me feel more hopeful and optimistic about Gen Z it. taking the lead in the future. Like, that was just so wonderful. Oh, they were awesome. So, my other favorite talk from this session was Gene okay. V. Bingham's talk when she talked about the role of men and women as complementary partners and not as yes. one being superior over the other. I love this. And I know that it's like, it's like a mildly controversial topic in a sense, because it does talk about gender roles and like your divine identity as a specific gender. And I know that's a hot button topic in the church and outside of the church in the world. But For honestly, sure. like my huge takeaway from that was that we are equal partners mm-hmm. in God's plan. It doesn't matter if you're male and it doesn't matter if you're female. You play a significant part in God's plan and you each need to step up to the plate and own mm-hmm. that role and own that purpose. Neither one of you is superior to the other. And if either of you like kind of have that mentality, then you need to sit the hell down. <laughs> oh, yes, that was excellent. Like it was, it was such a decent, it was such an important reminder that we need to make sure of where we stand and where we're supposed to stand because mm-hmm. I've seen it all too often where the roles are not equal and that's not good for anyone. Yeah. Like there's nothing good. I mean, there's a little bit of good that can haphazardly come out of it, but when people are not equal, when they are taking too much or leaving too much behind in their roles, it does so much damage and it is so hurtful to other people. And there, there's a lot of stigma about it, but we do need to take it seriously. And I love how much most of that evening session was really about everyone being like, here, you, here's what's up. We are saying it as plainly as we can so that you cannot misunderstand us. Yeah. Like, we tried to be, we tried to like say it like all like clean and all pretty before, but now we're just going to tell you the straight facts because you're clearly not listening to us and you need exactly. to. Exactly. Two things that she said, and I might be paraphrasing these also, but, but she said, <laughs> Satan incites comparison as a way of undermining righteous men and women's contributions. So I really mm. liked that. And mm-hmm. then another one she said was, We need to be true partners. Don't wait to be told what to do or expect help. Step up to the plate, set forth expectations, and be partners. So I loved that because all too often you see either one, it could be a guy or a girl in charge or in a leadership position that are hesitant and they won't say the things that they know they need to be saying to their quorum or to 
the ward council or whatever it is, and they just sit there and they let things go by because they're waiting for someone to tell them that it's okay to speak up and to say something. Mm -hmm. Whereas she is literally telling you, like, you need to step up to the plate and get the job done. Like, you know, so act. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you shouldn't be waiting around asking, what can I do to help? You need to look around and be like, I'm going to go do this now because I see that this needs to be done. I'm going to go help clean up. I'm going to go help set up or I'm going to go help this person who's clearly struggling. And you know it. Oh, I think this person needs to tell something or I know my quorum or my group have been struggling with, you know, their testimony. So I could say this, but you know, I think they'll figure it out. So I'll just tell them another time. No, no. Like, you know what needs to be said. Like I've done this before as a leader where it's like, I've made that mistake where it's like, okay, you know what? I know they could say this, but not technically not a hundred percent need to hear this. Mm -hmm. So I'll just give it some time and maybe talk to people one on one on one, maybe if that's an issue, but I don't really know. I don't know what's going on in their lives. So I don't want to interrupt. And that's completely the wrong thing to do. Like you, you know what needs to be said. And I think you've done this before, actually Tracy, where you've talked to the, our entire early society and you're like, I know things are going wrong, but things can go right. Like, I'm talking to everyone because this could affect you and this is what I feel needs to be said. And it is what needs to be said. And even if not a hundred percent of them need that in that moment, there's enough of them that do like we need each other. And by not doing anything, by not acting, we are letting each other down. Exactly. And I, I mean, like, I am a very independently minded person yeah, and I'm very <laughs> strong willed. So like yes. if I notice that something is wrong, I'm going to call it out and I'm going mm. to say like, no, you guys are being stupid. Frigging fix it. <laughs> so like yes. my whole life I've been like this. This isn't like a mm. new thing just because I'm 30. I've been like this since I was like eight. You got I baptized like, and then bam, you were like that. I was like that before <laughs> then too. Let's be honest. I'm a very strong willed individual. Uh, I feel like, Sister Bingham talking about this in her talk was her way of saying, like, you don't need permission to do these things. Just do it. Like, Mm -hmm. if you are getting the prompting that, like, this needs to be said, say it. If you Uh are getting the prompting that this needs to happen, do it. If Mm -hmm. you are seeing these weaknesses in your quorums or in your ward, then fix those weaknesses. Call them out just like the Savior would, because the Savior wouldn't walk into a building and be like, all right, so what do you guys need me to do? He would walk in and he would be like, this person needs comfort. This person needs financial assistance. This person needs, you know, to be called to repentance. And this person needs this. I'm going to go do each one of those things in that order. And he would get down to business. So that's what she's telling us that we need to be doing. We need to start praying for the Mm -hmm. eyes to see the needs that are around us. And Mm -hmm. we need to start praying for the spirit to help guide us to make those changes and to meet those needs. And we need to just go and do it because if we don't do it, then who is going to do it? Probably no one. Yeah. I love that talk. Love it. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. Sister Bingham's awesome. All right. So Sunday morning. Sunday. I wrote down Elder Holland, obviously. Obviously. How could we not? That was incredible. So what did you like about it, Kaylee? You tell oh me. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, there, there's, I mean, there's a lot. Like, we could literally just read the entire talk off and be like, see, obviously, here's everything. <laughs> Amen. Um, exactly. Um, but one of the main things that I pulled from it was when he spoke about hope. And I've been doing some 
So my scripture study recently was kind of just trying to come uh, to better understand grace and hope has a, a strong correlation to it. And he said how we need to have hope. That's how we continue on. And we need to have a perfect brightness of hope. And I mean, I know that's been said in the scriptures, but it just hit me in a different way um, as he spoke that like hope is very important right now. Mm-hmm. And if we're trying to move on without it, then we're missing a very important piece. Hope is not optional and it's not just like a bow on top of everything. It is something that you need to that you need to have in your 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 safety pack that you're carrying around with you. You need to have your faith, your testimony, your charity, like you need to have all of that. Hope is not optional. Yeah. And you can't just have any kind of hope. You need to have a perfect brightness of hope. And the way he talked about it just really reminded me how important hope is. I've, I've always kind of underrated it, unfortunately. I don't know why. I think I've just been like, okay, like it's not faith. Faith is the important thing. Um, but no, hope is important. Like we need to have it. Um, yeah. So that was really important as well as, I mean, he's the one who spoke up and he's like, we need to have hope that things will change yes. so that we can help make them change. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, yes. Yes. The fact that he called out that we like we should be sending our our kids to school to learn and not have them be afraid of getting shot, that we need to be taking care of the people in our community, that we need to not allow racism to um, make such an impact on society because it's wrong. Like everything he said there, I don't have the perfect quote. Um, you might that, you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, but yes, it was it was just so powerful. Like I sat up. Like the moment he said, I was like, hello. Yes. Hello. Like, is everyone listening to this? Because this is what we need right now. Yes. I loved that he made that call out and was like, we need to be better going with that. I like how he was talking about like he and his wife imagining that they were living in the 1800s. Oh that was and, like, precious. And the, things that, like, would. and the things that they would have been hoping for to get answers to from the religious fervor of that time. And I mean, like, in a, like, a cynical part of me was like, well, I mean, obviously, like, if we're looking back with all the knowledge that we have right now, like, as members of the church, Mm -hmm. obviously, we're going to be like, well, we want to know about this. And we want to know about this, because we know that other churches don't talk about those things. Right, we take it for granted. Yeah. But the one that like really got me was when he said that they would have been looking for the idea of a loving heavenly father, someone who is loving guiding and speaking the way he did in biblical times is the number one thing that they would have been looking for. Mm -hmm. And thinking about that, my cynicism kind of like flew away. And I was like, honestly, (laughs) yes, because at that time, all you heard was like the The fire and brimstone preachers. Yeah. So I was like, really thinking about like if we're all supposedly children of God or like if we're all supposed to live with God again, like they were all saying back in the 1800s, why mm-hmm. would I want to live with someone who's all fire and brimstone and like, right. If we're all going I, to damnation, if we're all going to hell for damnation, like what is the point of all this? Yeah. Like why would I not want to live with someone who's more loving and kind, like an actual father? So mm-hmm. when he said that, that really made me kind of think about that. But going with your hope, he actually quoted my favorite verse in the Book of Mormon, which is 3120, um, where he is talking about um, pressing forward with the perfect brightness of hope and a love Mm -hmm. of God and of all mankind. 
Um, and it basically, that whole verse gives you the recipe for how you can endure to the end. So it's mm-hmm. having faith, it's pressing forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a love of God and of all mankind, and then having that perfect brightness of hope. So all four of those things combined will help you endure to the end. And mm-hmm. so thinking about that paired with that quote that he shared from a sister in the Africa as well, the we did not come this far only to come this far. Yes, I think about that really quote all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both of those were really powerful to me just to think that, you know, like we really didn't come this far in our lives just to come this far. Like progression is eternal. We have so much more to look forward to. We have so much more to do. We have so much more to become. And like, we just need to keep going. Exactly. And that's definitely one of the things that I saw um, through a few of the talks where it's like that progress is eternal. And so to hear this impressed upon so much and this and these last couple of talks, especially with Elder Holland, just really strengthened my testimony to hear that that there's there's constantly room for improvement, that we are constantly trying to become more like our Heavenly Father and that there is still so much for us that we can do. And as long as we have the right tools to do it, we can do it. Exactly. Amazing. That was what I loved about his talk. I know you have a note about Elder Bednar's talk also, if you want to share that. Just a fun fun little piece. Um, But I did pull in. Uh, bring in Elder Bednar's talk that he's he shared after and he mentioned how um, he just had a great reminder that we go to the temple not to escape the evil of the world but to conquer it and I, I will confess because you know this is basically where I confess all my sins on this podcast <laughs> how much I mess up but we're not just running away to the temple like we sometimes feel like we do and that's okay um, but we're doing we're going there to do something more yeah. That we are going there to help others and that we are conquering the world. That we are looking to Heavenly Father for his love and to help us progress. Yeah. And I just thought that was so important that we keep that in mind. And I mean, at this point, I, between their two talks, it just made me really, really excited for the next time the temple opens. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want to go right away. I know a lot of people are, are probably going to feel that way when all the temples finally do open. It'll hopefully be like a huge flood of people. Soon, I'm sure. <laughs> Soon. <All right>. Sunday um, afternoon session. So, my favorite talk from this was L. Whitney Clayton's talk. I believe he's in the presidency of the 70. He is a great speaker. So, his talk was about finest homes. So, he said, like, you know, when people are, like, looking for houses, there are signs in, like, the neighborhood that says, like, one of the finest homes, blah, blah, blah. Um, And he's like, well, how is it that we can have a finest home no matter where we are? So he (laughs) said that it's not so much the furnishings or the decorations of the house. It's is the image of the savior reflected in the people who live in your home that makes it a finest home. I like that. I love that, too. Uh It really just emphasizes the fact that the way your house looks doesn't matter It matters more that, like, you can feel the spirit freely in your home and that the people who live in your home are trying their best to live the gospel of Jesus Christ and become disciples of Christ. So that way that feeling of the spirit is always maintained in your house. And so one thing he said was 
personal growth and remodeling your weaknesses should be the constant in your home. So he said that like repentance and focusing on developing Christ-like attributes are things that you should be focusing on to make your home a finest home. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. And he said, fine homes follow the blueprint for the temple, meaning your home should be built on a good spiritual foundation. So he kind of does that little like kickback to spiritual foundations. And he even says like, Examine your own spiritual seismic structuring to make sure that you are built on a sure foundation. It's such a reminder that we want to have a place where the Holy Spirit is welcome. Growing up as a kid, like I could kind of tell when that family didn't have the Holy Spirit there. Like, I mean, usually just like non-member friends. So like that made more sense, Um, but it didn't really occur to me until later where like I could kind of gauge that and it's like, okay, this is a nice place. It looks nice, but it doesn't feel really nice. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, it's like, oh, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. Like, oh, that, and that's something that I do want to have in my home. Hearing that reminder in conference kind of emphasized to me that like, you really do need to focus on filling your home with the spirit because if someone were to come into your house, like I just think of, um, Bonnie Corden's talk from conference, how uh-huh. Elder Perry and his son came to their house. And like, if an <laughs> yeah. apostle walked into so your cute. house, like, oh my gosh, would you feel comfortable like letting yeah. them in? Not just in like a furnishing and like the way it looks, but like spiritually, would you feel okay with them coming into your house? So mm. that was yes. a nice little moment also. That was good. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's also been said, like, how comfortable would he be, you know, like with the savior walking around with you all day long? Like, <laughs> like I, I, don't, I don't know if you heard. Yeah, I have that, heard that. But I mean, your home should be the place where if anywhere that anyone and everyone should be able to feel the spirit. And that's something that we need to make sure we are focusing on. I, yeah, I have to really go back and talk and listen to Elder Clayton's talk. That sounds amazing. It was a great talk. I really loved it. So those were my big talks. Those were some of the talks that we wrote down as being the huge ones for us. Um, So what did you take away the most out of April Conference 2020, Kaylee? Oh, my gosh. I took out so much. These (laughs) the only extra notes that I added in because it's a lot. Yes, I like them. Yeah. Share them all with me. I usually try to focus on understanding some basic overall tones and themes that get shared across um, general conference. And so this year, I felt a lot of it was clearly focused on the restoration and especially um, overcoming the world of love, how Joseph and Hiram Smith did that. Then there's also the theme of the priesthood and how there is clarity over the keys and a better understanding of gen. Not, I don't want to say generals, but um, the worlds that we are blessed with in this lifetime. I don't know. Um, but overall, a basic and more clear understanding of the priesthood, as well as personal revelation. And it's how I think uh, Sister Jones said it, that the Lord expects us to receive revelation. And um, there's a few more talks that I went on to mention how we are meant to receive continued revelation and that it's used not just for ourselves like when we go to the temple it's not just for ourselves but we use personal revelation 
to use it to minister and accomplish our work on this earth and that we're meant to inspire others to do the same like where we're supposed to be lighting our lights on a hill to not just show them the way but to to help them do the same thing that we're we're supposed to be inspiring others and i just got a lot of out of the personal revelation um aspect which i really love that especially like when they're talking about the the light bulbs so if anyone knows me my my comfort film is the Adams family <laughs> and uncle Fesser can make a light bulb light up in his mouth. Yes. And it is the best thing ever. Um, but it just kind of reminded me how like we're supposed to be shining that light. And then like Christ is that light kind of thing. Like it, it just set a more clear example for me of how, I can be using my testimony, how I can be using personal revelation, how I can be using my temple work. Like, there's a lot that is for me. Like, like obviously, I get that. But I haven't been thinking of it so much on how that can be used, what I'm receiving for other people. Yeah. I get so focused on my personal progress that I'm not thinking about how that's supposed to also be helping other people. Yeah. Um, and then also on that note, because I still do need to strengthen my own... Um, my own personal beliefs and like Elder Stevenson talked about is we need to have our own spiritual foundation. And one of the really strong points that I, that I got out of it was along with needing to make sure I have a firm spiritual foundation is that I need to better personally understand with a surety of how the Holy Ghost speaks to me. Oh. And that's one of those strong impressions I got because I feel that I have a, a decent foundation and an understanding of the gospel and the principles and the doctrine, but I haven't overtly considered or studied or pondered just how it all connects to me and how, um, how I can use it and how I, how it correlates to me. I mean, I know the Holy Ghost speaks to me. Like I clearly know that, but I also usually know that after the fact I never really pay attention to it in the moment because I'm so focused on like trying to make sure I do follow a prompting, but I do need to personally understand with a surety of how the Holy Ghost speaks to me. And that's that along with the, the spiritual foundation to work on, like those are my action items of what I really know I need to work on is I know these things exist and I know I have these things, but I need to understand them inside and out now. Good. So. I love that. <laughs> I definitely got the you need to do a serious overhaul of your foundation yeah <laughs> like I need to do the four-year seismic spiritual <laughs> recovery project of my foundation right. like, I feel that that was like the one thing that just kept hitting me the whole week and aside from that like I was really thinking about how I know they didn't they kept like commenting a little bit about coronavirus and mm-hmm. the status of the of world mention. and all this stuff, but it wasn't like mm-hmm. diving into it, which I was really appreciative of. But I actually felt really inspired during conference. This time is really unique. This time that we have in our homes is a really special time that we can really be focusing on ourselves yeah. and our own progress. And so one thing that just kept hitting me every time they said like COVID-19 and quarantine and social distancing. Like I just kept thinking that like, yeah, this pandemic is really terrible and it has been devastating the world. And I am not trying to diminish that fact. Right. 
I also personally feel so blessed to have this time away from work, away from really big distractions in my life, Mm -hmm. to be able to focus on things that I have been wanting to do for myself for a really long time. So like, Mm -hmm. I have this opportunity to do what Elder Stevenson is asking to like really look at my spiritual foundation and overhaul it. Yeah. It's time to, I mean, we've been talking about this for years of our writing and editing, Mm -hmm. doing all of these other projects. And like, I have not had time or I have not dedicated any time to my writing. And so I have time now I have all the time. I have so much time now to go back through some of the pieces that I've written and really fix them and make them so solid and strong that I could Mm -hmm. potentially send them out for publishing. And I have all of this time now also to like examine my resume, even though I've had someone doing that for a while, but like I can start tailoring resumes to meet jobs that I am trying to look for and apply for. Mm -hmm. I know where I'm supposed to be looking now, which is like, that's amazing. Really helpful. So like, I just feel so blessed during this time of quarantine that like, even though it sucks, I mean, I got furloughed. I'm out mm-hmm. of like you, I am yep. stressing. I don't know what's going to happen next, but, no I, idea. but I can't help but feel so incredibly blessed to have this time to really reflect and to think about who I want to become, what I want to do and where I want to go from here and where the Lord needs me to go next. So that was just something that kept hitting me during conference this weekend was be grateful for this time in isolation, to not be distracted by work, to not be distracted by the people around you, to not be distracted into spending money that you don't need to be spending. <laughs> and like right, though. all of those distractions take this time to really appreciate what the Lord has given you and to become better. Mm-hmm. So those were my two yeah. big things out of mm-hmm. conference that's amazing I love it. I love how we were able to find so much and then there's actual like things for us to do now yeah like I don't want to call it homework because it's going to be a lot more fun than homework but they're very <laughs> they're very clear mine is like like we we've been preparing you for this now here's your opportunity to do that and yeah. we do have the perfect timing like literally right now we have like because we both have nothing going on but this podcast, our own writing things. And it's like, we, you've got the chance to do things now. Like let's take that opportunity and grow closer to the Lord and figure things out. Yeah. And I mean, there was a point too, when I was thinking about quarantine time and last week I was like, I've already gone through so much coloring and I've like <laughs> cleaned my closet and I've, I've dyed my hair. And like, even today I like darkened it, but like, yeah. there's just, what am I going to do next? And so like the conference was kind of an answered prayer in a way of me being like, what am I supposed to do next for the next like 24 mm. days while we're in quarantine? And now oh my gosh. Like, is that how long? I mean, okay. until the 30th. So. All right. That's fine. I can do that. It's fine. Unless they say more, but if they do say that's more, fair. I'll still have a lot more spiritual progress to work on. So, I mean, that's I'm true. taking it. Amen taking it with a grain of salt, but also thinking like, I need to be so grateful for this time. Mm-hmm. I need to be grateful. Agreed. And I, I mean, if this pandemic had to happen at any time, I'm glad it happened while we had the chance to enjoy general conference where we need to be inside for that anyways. 
Um, and that we have the time now to start working on it. So I'm not going to say this pandemic is a blessing, but at least there's timing where it's allowing us this opportunity to be working on our spirituality. And then also for me, like personally, I hit like a hard not wanting to do anything. And like I was I was trying so hard for a while and I was like, I can do things. It's fine. But like I had to be honest with myself this week and I was like, last week was crap like I was scarred <laughs> I I needed I know I needed to do better but at least I can be honest with myself and try to recover yeah and do better this week and general conference like gave me the energy to do that like I I feel productive and I feel that I can do things now like even with the pandemic dragging on the quarantine dragging on and bad news coming out it's really hard right now but there is hope. We need to have hope. Yeah. And there are things that we can be doing that during this time, which is very important for us. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you said, like it's not us trying to say that this pandemic is a blessing, but I think the Lord really is trying to teach us something in this sense. He's been trying to teach us this for years and years that like yes. <laughs> there is always something to be grateful for and to like mm-hmm. see the Lord's hand in every single thing that's happening in your life, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like you and I are kind of seeing the Lord's hand in our lives during this terrible yes. time. And we haven't been spared. I mean, we yeah. haven't gotten sick, but like you and I have both been negatively affected economically mm-hmm. by this Very much pandemic. So. so like, we're not saying this from like the lofty celebrity <laughs> status of like, I'm quarantined nope. in my mansion with my pool gym and spa nope. we've got small like, apartments we both I mean at least I know a few people whose whose family friends have been affected and everything yeah. like with the sickness as well so like yeah we're we're not like lofty super blessed during no. this we are both very much struggling but, but I think I mean because we're tr- we're both trying actively in our lives in general not just during this time mm-hmm. But yeah. we've both been trying to be more faithful and be more hopeful about things in our lives that we are more readily seeing the joy and the blessings that the Lord is really pouring down on us during this exactly. dark time. So hopefully the rest of you can take some time to listen to conference again if you missed anything or if you want to go over some things, just listen to those yeah. talks, go oh over them and to really think about the way that the Lord is blessing you during this pandemic and how you can see his hand in this hard trying time, because I promise you that it is very present and he is really there in all the details. And I know they said it a lot in conference that he is there in all the details, but like, I, I know that I'm seeing it in my own life. So I sure know that you guys will see it too. If you take that time. Ditto. It's very much true. <laughs> I know I wholeheartedly agree with that. Like as long as you're willing to put in some of the effort that you're at least willing to talk to listen to some of the talks, especially the ones that we've mentioned. Um, I mean, personally, these are the ones that we found most impactful. If you find other ones most impactful, then that is great. There is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. As long as you're learning something and that you're taking the opportunity to grow closer to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and to better feel the Holy Spirit in your life, like that's what's most important for you. Your journey is going to be different than anyone else's. And Donald Conference is just another great opportunity to continue working on that journey and to figure out where you are and how you can move forward from there. Exactly. All right. Well, farewell, everyone.
Take care. Yep, you guys.